Hey, I'm Jordan No More, and welcome to the No More Podcast. What you're about to listen to is a short conversation from our full-length episodes that you can find over on Patreon. If you want to support the show, it's just a dollar, and you get exclusive content, full-length audio episodes, video episodes, and behind-the-scenes exclusives from myself and my co-hosts, Nick and Clayton. If you want to check that out, go over to patreon.com forward slash no more podcasts. Enjoy the show. You'd ask me uh, offline about the 180 I was about angle. to bring this up. I yeah. was about to bring this up. And so this, what we're doing, actually breaks the 180 yeah. degree rule. So originally the way this room was built is we were operating on a 180 rule. You were sitting behind the book sh- or the record shelf. Mm-hmm. I was right here and Clayton was over there. All of the cameras operated that side of the room. Right. And they all pointed this way. Did you get that diagram? Yes, I did. Yeah, and so, I saw it and it made sense. Yeah. Uh, but now this is something that I think it makes sense in the realm of podcasting is this triangle ang- mm. like angle setup. Mm-hmm. Because um, we're in a triangle and the cameras are in a subsequent triangle. Mm-hmm. As long as nothing changes, the, the, the um, spatial awareness from the audience is works like yeah. i'm looking to my right and you're looking to your left yeah yeah so it works. i just gotta master the uh the orbit technique here i was yeah told, the i was told offline mic. that uh i tend to clip a little bit <laughs> what do you got to say clay <laughs> you do um you do call, call funny the, thing about the this whole <laughs> no. like <laughs> your newest teammate um <laughs> The funny thing about this is I'm now starting to get served some of this content, which is what mm. prompted this entire thing is I was late night scrolling something and this thing about the 180 angle came up mm-hmm. and I immediately messaged you about it because I was like, what the hell? But now it's funny because I remember I can't remember what episode it was, but sometime recently you had talked about how when you watch movies, it's sometimes a challenge for you to not be mm-hmm. picking these things out. I'm watching a show right now and I'm finding myself more and more mm-hmm. aware. A, after we had that conversation, I was well aware of the 180 rule and mm-hmm. picked it out consistently. And I'm I'm starting to see these things and I'm, I'm noticing that I am rewinding episodes sometimes because I was more focused on the, oh yeah, that's the one, and there's the line. Mm-hmm. Versus like I missed the entire dialogue of the whole scene because I was analyzing yeah. where the cameras were and like something else I came, became aware of recently was the uh, the like over the shoulder mm-hmm. shot and showing the person's yeah. head and shoulder. There's another name for it. It's called a, a, a you shooting it dirty oh. versus clean. Mm, what's clean? Clean is just a like you're a single. And I'm shooting you. Like we're all and in you don't clean see shots. Else in, yeah. Okay. And okay. So over the shoulder, if you're talking about cinematography and how what it pertains to the story and how it's like telling, helping tell the story, mm. sometimes you intentionally put a camera over the shoulder to give the effect and the feeling like someone else is watching the conversation. Right. Like right. You're right. Peering in on a on a secret conversation. Yeah. But if you want to feel personal, feel inside the scene, you literally put the cameras inside the scene. Oh, and that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. So, so that over the, the shooting it dirty gives you this, like I'm looking in on this mm-hmm. shooting clean gives you the, I'm in the room. Great example, uh, is great. Great example of stylized cinematography that really helped make a movie is heat. You ever seen? Heat? I know, but I've been wanting oh. to watch it because it keeps coming up on Netflix when I go watch to it. Watch it, dude. We okay, watch it. I'll I, watch it again. I have such a 
soft spot uh-huh. for like 80s and 90s action movies and i've never seen it it's it's one of the pinnacle it's probably the best heist movie ever oh cool yeah. okay okay and like ocean's thing, 11 heisty better Wow. Better because it has such a depth of reality to it. Oh, cool. Okay. But it's still like stylized. Yeah. It's stylized realism. It's insane. Cool. But one of the things that's cool about it is that uh, Michael Mann shot it almost exclusively on really long zoom lenses. Mm. So, so he was really far away. But think about it. A lot of the scenes. Well, actually, let me break that apart. He shot most of the criminals on long zoom lenses, and he shot the police on medium and wide lenses. Okay. So the police are peering in on the criminals. They're oh. spying on them. So that it, everything seems like they're looking at him with a zoom lens from a, you know, like a perch. Yes, yes, yes. The, all the movie feels like that, like someone's watching. Oh, you know? cool. And then when you're in like the precinct, it's like wide angles, like really, you can see everything. So in that case, you're more in the room with yeah. them mm-hmm. versus watching mm-hmm. from afar. And the only time it really shifts is when uh, De Niro's character has kind of a love story. Okay. And it, you you get in on his love story. So it, be, it feels more personal. So you feel it. You like feel more. You know what's funny? I think the video that I saw about the 180 rule mm-hmm. was a scene in Heat. The crossover. You, yeah. When he, that's the one. You I sent think it I sent me. it to you, yeah. right? It was mm-hmm. Heat. And they mm-hmm. talked about how in that scene they broke it. They crossed over the 180 line. They Which started was behind the diner him. bar, yeah. right? Because they're sitting mm-hmm. at this bar at the diner. Yeah. And they crossed over the um, whatever, the, you know, table or whatever, the bar. Table. Yeah. Table. Table. Tables. Table. She does tables. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I thought that was a great use of it. Um, okay, cool. That um, another version of something like that is a cinematic like shot that just like is so great in movies. Have you seen um, uh, Goodwill Hunting? Not in a long Robin time. Robin Williams and yeah, not a Matt long Damon. Time. Matt I Damon. wouldn't remember anything from it. So there's the whole movie, you know, once he is put with Matt Robin Williams as his therapist and he's like being really standoffish about the whole thing. Uh, they're never seen in a shot together other unless it's a wide shot where mm. they like initially meet and shake hands. But everything is shot in clean solos and then when they're having this conversation on a park bench yeah and um robin williams has this whole like talk about you know you don't know you're you know because they there was a part where he was bothered by something that matt damon said and he okay. sent him away early because okay. he was like talking shit about his dead wife okay then he's having this conversation at a park bench and he says you don't know what love is and you don't know what it's like to have your friend die in your arms in war and you you can quote a sonnet but you've never fucking experienced love and poetry yeah. and this and that you've never seen the Sistine Chapel when he says all this stuff they they connect okay and literally the camera angle is moving to, and brings them into frame together oh, as he's connecting with them okay. and then they have a they start to open up to each other after that and the shot the shot was revealing that emotional yeah, beat yeah. in the story interesting That's this cool. is the shit that i like in movies <laughs> yeah. when, and when i tell you guys i go see movies nowadays and i go it's lazy yeah it's bo- like everything that this ever was done in most of the marvel about. movies is just lazy yeah because i can't tell you things like that from a marvel movie really got it got it's it. missing that they're not they're, there's a deeper level right of yeah. the movie when you mm-hmm. can see and pick these things out it's equivalent i would say in music to like how a producer records a mm-hmm. record i was having i was hanging out with somebody that i met recently uh who's a producer 
and we started talking about um, records that we love. And we uh, found out that we both love the self-titled Third Eye Blind record a lot, a lot. And he started telling me, I didn't know much about the producer, but he started telling me about the producer and some of the things that this guy does. Mm. Um, for example, the producer doesn't use a lot of crash cymbals. Mm. And he urges the drummer to not use a lot of crash And when he does, they're really low in the mix. Okay. And it's this guy's style, right? But it works. And I went back and listened to the record after having this conversation, and I was like, God, you're right. That's exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a similar, you know, talking about these different things that give you a deeper level. It's like mic setup, drum sounds, mm-hmm. the way that people record guitars. Like they might, you know, standardly you would have an amplifier and you would put a microphone on it. Kind of in the old days, a lot of people just plug in directly to the computer now. But yeah. different methods might be, hey, we're going to do that, but we're also going to set a microphone in the hallway over Mm -hmm. there and it's going to capture this like really far away distant sound that is, you know, not a lot of low frequencies and Mm -hmm. it's going to sound, it's going to sound like it's really far away and we're just going to put that in a little bit and it's going to give this subtle feel Mm -hmm. of openness, right, to the drum sound and it's those little things that give a record its whole... I've seen someone do. Vibe, I mean, yeah, know. I've seen someone do For something similar like on that. Uh, is um, you you record a sound uh, of like a like a snare far away, mm-hmm. and you get the same really close. Yep, and you layer those, and you get yes. some kind of like there's a it's a combining the two yeah. give you this more unique sound than just putting a, co- a mic on the top of the snare and a mic on the bottom. There's a trend kind of going on right now that's being talked about where where some people, I personally think the Foo Fighters made this really famous when they did Sonic Highways. I don't know if you guys ever saw Sonic Highways. Did you? Uh, so they did, it was an eight part series where they went to a different recording studio in a different major city and recorded, they, they went in with nothing and then wrote and recorded one song in each of these places. Okay. So they did it at... I think they did it at the studio in Seattle where he did the first Foo Fighters record or was it a different studio? I it just it was like Seattle, like St. Louis. Yeah, um, there was like they did Sound City Detroit. here in LA where they did Fleetwood Mac and Nevermind and all that shit. They did um I want to say like New York and yeah. you know, I think they recorded somewhere in the south too, but um anyway, in one of these episodes they used this technique with the drums where they recorded the drums completely separate from the cymbals. Hmm. So they sat in there and then played the drums and then a second take did just the cymbals and then married those two. Weird. And I can't, I'd have to go back and watch. I can't remember why. I can't remember where the idea came from. It wasn't their original idea. People have done this before. Hmm. But I think it sort of put it in the zeitgeist or in the more mainstream of, as mainstream as you can get with nerdy record producers and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, And I'm, I'm starting to see things in in Instagram or TikTok and stuff where people are experimenting with this particular yeah. uh, method. More orca- orchestra, like like an orchestral. Orchestra? Yeah, like a not even because it, when you marry them, it sounds like a drum kit. It's got something to do with isolating the sounds mm-hmm. and being able to have more control over the way that the cymbals interact with the drums. Right. So like mm-hmm. if I hit like a crash. You're not really going to hear it, but it's going to make the snares vibrate, right? So you're going to get a shh, mm, right? So it's so, kind of like a, more of a, a control of I th- each it's a, individual drum. 
So you don't more like- so the drum sounds and those frequencies versus the cymbals and those frequencies. Because you think like cymbals are gonna occupy like the high end of the frequency scale, right? And the drums are gonna occupy the low end of the frequency scale. They're gonna meet in the middle, but where they meet, I think, is the idea behind this method is to create less um, clashing. And you can pick out the frequencies that you want to either boost or get rid of easier when you've got these things completely separated. Mm. But um, makes sense. Anyway, you know what? Similarities between this thing and the deeper level of uh, I'm gonna bring you know Matt Damon into the shot. Yeah. At this particular point, because I want you to feel like you're there, and up to this point, I've made you feel differently by only having them in the frame by themselves. Reason a good reason why a lot of that with cinema with cinematography doesn't end up happening is nowadays the studios not only want to play it safe with the writing mm. and with what they choose to make, but exactly how they choose to make it. So like they're usually just shooting things in like these triads coverage. So you're gonna do the my shot, your shot, wide shot. Got it. That's so it. they're they're just using the bare essentials. Yep. And they're not really allowing those cinematographers or directors of photography or whoever to make these sort of like artistic decisions that it's very few and far between. Yeah. But like a great example, you know, like, you know, years ago, my first time I watched um, The Graduate, Mm -hmm. I was like blown away because that whole movie is like every single shot is this crazy, like very specific storytelling going on with the way the shot is ah, shot okay. every shot of the movie like yeah. it, they don't waste a shot okay um and there's innuendos there's there's you know like um, they're telling a story through just the shots yeah it, you've seen the poster of the leg and it's miss mrs robinson's leg you never seen that but i haven't seen the movie so no, we'll show it right here but there's a poster uh, yeah, of of you've at least seen it parodied. Okay. There's a yeah. leg, and and you can see Dustin Hoffman inside the leg, okay. looking at the girl, which is Mrs. Robinson, the okay. older lady who's seducing him. The whole okay. are you seducing me, Mrs. Robinson, or whatever? Um, are you familiar with the uh, the movie? Um, what's that Will Ferrell movie called? Uh, where it's like a college. Yeah, oh, old, uh, school? old school. Old school. <clears throat> oh, yeah, where he parodied he, it in old school. He gets tased, tranquilized, and mm-hmm. he jumps into the. He falls into the pool. Right. That's a. It's like a parody of that. Yeah. It was an homage. Yes. As one but might say. even in that, that's on the poster of the movie, but it's in the movie. Okay. That shot yeah. of the leg. That the whole shot, the idea is that like she has dominion over him. She has control of him. Right. He's literally right. in They're visually representing inside, this yeah. relationship uh-huh. with one shot. Mm-hmm. And the when so the whole thing is the whole without spoiling too much about I mean, obviously this movie's been around forever. Um uh, Ms. Robinson's daughter was dating Dustin Hoffman's character. And okay. then he was fooling around with Miss Robinson. Okay. And then when she, when the daughter finds out, that's another great shot is she's framed like I am right here and behind her is the doorway and the door opens when she's having this intimate conversation with Dustin Hoffman, the door opens and it's the mom. Okay. And then the mom makes eye contact with Dustin Hoffman. Right. They do this. And then she, the daughter sees her and sees Dustin and thinks it starts to realize what oh, she happens. Puts it together right yeah. There. When that happened, what happened is the camera focused from her to the the mom. Mm. But when she when the mom left, it stayed focused there and she turned, she's in blur. Yeah. 
and they just brought <clears throat> it into focus slowly. That was her realizing. She's putting it oh, together. Oh, it's like a visual it's, representation yes. of her brain making these connections of like, it, oh my God, I see what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and here. most people see that and think it's a mistake. Like it's just a bad rack focus. Got it. But no, it was, it was no, bringing it was him very into focus. Intentional. And when she gets into focus, she goes, oh, it was like perfect. Yeah. Oh, it was, <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the pre-show, oh. <laughs> Anime gasp. The anime gasp, yeah. Anime oh. gasp. <clears throat> this is more of a moan moment, but yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I get it. So, yeah. I get it. Man, I'm sweating. You got me talking. I know. About I can, skin I can feel your... <laughs> it's getting hot-blooded. Who? <laughs> <laughs>